With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day. I'm Michael Rockman and I will be talking about this all by myself today until Nick can get on a little bit later. But we are going to be talking about the AFC South and there's plenty to talk about in a season like this. But first and foremost, we hope everyone is having a good start to the week. Monday here today in the afternoon, 3 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock Eastern. You know, hope you guys had a good first day of the work week and, you know, let's get to it. First and foremost, we got the Julio Jones trade request that we need to talk about because after some recent observations, you know, recent events, there's plenty to talk about when it comes to Julio. And obviously a star wide receiver of that caliber has now kind of made it known that he plans to not be an Atlanta Falcon when the season starts. I don't know if this is, you know, him being frustrated with the organization or if it's just Fontenot letting him know, hey, most likely we are going to be moving you. I believe that. That is more likely of the case. I think Julio wants to be in Atlanta. But the uh, the fact is there's just so many situations where players just don't fit into the team's organizational picture. And sadly, you know, Julio, one of the more influential athletes for Atlanta sports, now seems to be on the outs when it comes to this. So personally, I would have loved to see the Atlanta Falcons bring in Julio Jones with Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley with Matt Ryan still getting to be the QB for that team. But, you know, sometimes the organization and the player just don't line up, and it seems like that's the case. So in terms of overall fits around the NFL, players that, you know, are teams, I mean, that could benefit Julio Jones immensely or Julio Jones could benefit immensely himself. I look at, you know, in the AFC South that we're talking about today, you could talk about the Colts and the Titans, both could very well use an elite receiver. But I think, the biggest issue right now is the cap space situation. With the COVID year, so many teams were limited in terms of cap. And now with the offseason being fully completed pretty much, there's not a lot of movement in order to be accomplished. So once that June 1st comes, maybe some teams find more space, find ways to open up and get him. But right now, you know, there's not going to be a trade until we get to June. I think that is very clear. doesn't make sense for the Falcons to trade him from that point. And it doesn't make sense for anyone else to trade for him. But just looking at overall situations that could work out, there's been rumors about the Los Angeles Chargers potentially sending Mike Williams away in a trade and bringing in Julio. There's been talks about San Francisco 49ers, Julio reconnecting with Kyle Shanahan. There's been talks of the Los Angeles Rams. And while that one seems less likely just because of all the capital they've already given up in terms of the Stafford trade, and in terms of just how full their wide receiver room is, I do think that Julio on that team would be absolutely phenomenal to watch. Uh, really, though, if I had to put my money on a team that you know could use wide receiver help, could absolutely make it work cap wise, and you know just overall is aggressive enough in the state to compete, worth getting Julio Jones. I think. The Patriots make a lot of sense, but the team that I kind of lean towards could be the San Francisco 49ers like we talked about. And, you know, I know they made that big trade for Trey Lance, and I know that 
you know, maybe because they're a young team in terms of passer production, that there's question marks about what they bring to really an offer. But in my mind, I look at what Kyle Shanahan has already accomplished with Julio Jones. And I know that Julio, you know, maybe hasn't put up the same production, but I think in my mind, there's, there's so much there for Julio that it's just, I don't believe that he's washed or even less of what he was. So personally, you know, I just see plenty of opportunity for Julio to step in, be that third wide receiver. I love Jawan Jennings. I love Austin Watkins Jr. But I don't think that they should be depended on to be that wide receiver three unless, unless they've seen in camp just due to their current draft pick value. So really, you know, that third wide receiver spot wide open, I hope it can be filled, but at the same time, you know, there's just so many question marks. We got some comments in the comment section we're going to talk about. Patriots, Julio would love playing with Mac, in my opinion. You know, I think obviously there's been the rumors about Julio with Cam Newton, and then Mac Jones obviously would become that QB later on. The Alabama connection, I'm sure, has some bonds in that relationship, to be honest. I know you were probably joking about that, but I'm sure they've spoken and probably have a little bit of a connection, nothing special or anything like Cam and Julio seem to have a genuine friendship. But I do think that Julio on the Patriots would be huge for the Patriots because you look at that wide receiver room, I know that they spent the money to go get an Aguilar, to go get a Kendrick Bourne. They have Nikhil Harry. They have Jacoby Myers. You know, there's pieces in place, but you can't really tell me that any of those guys strike you as that top wide receiver and Julio could genuinely become that and help this offense really open up entirely. Um, I know that a lot of offenses can get by without having that elite talent outside, but still, I look at what the Patriots really have on roster, and Aguilar, Bourne, Myers, you know, Harry, if he develops a little bit more, there's definitely something there, but at the same time, it's still on the lower end of the NFL when you're looking at it in a comparative sense. And for me personally, I just... I think there's definitely a huge need for just another level of talent, and Julio brings that. Mac won't start this year. Plus, how much do you think the Pats would give up for him? You know, personally, just overall trade value for Julio Jones, I think you're looking at multiple day two picks. I don't know if anyone's going to cough up a first-round pick, but I don't think they're just going to get it for a second. So you're looking at a team that would maybe have to offer a second and a fourth, a second and a third maybe if they're, you know, a Packers-type squad that's sitting in the back and is trying to really make this happen. And, you know, personally, I think that's fair value. Absolutely. I don't think that's an overpay at all. But I do think that a lot of people tend to look at these trade situations and say, oh, they want just a second round pick and extra. And then they try to add on pieces that don't really add value. You know, maybe the Falcons would want Sony Michelle, but I don't think it would influence the trade value itself. So, you know, a second and Sony isn't going to happen, but maybe a second and fourth and Sony could happen. So I'm not sure what happens with Julio Jones. I don't want to act like I'm just all knowing, obviously, but I would love to see what the end result is. And I think personally, the value that he's going to bring is going to give the Falcons some additional assets on day two that will make them better for building forward, whether that's with Matt Ryan after the season or not. So probably two at least. How burnt do you think? bb thinks he got from that you know it's hard to say because sanu had his moments and then had some injuries that kind of slowed him down um it's a tough one for sure but i think bill belichick has probably stopped thinking about it and just you know on to 2021 is probably his mindset that's the it's the bill way julio also doesn't have a no trade clause so he has zero leverage in this situation absolutely and i think the big situation with this is that fontenot was the one that was really kind of opening up the Julio trade market. And even when asked about it, he was saying, yeah, I mean, we're going to take offers on any player. So while Julio doesn't have the leverage here, and if the Falcons want him, he could stay. I think this is more of a mutual agreement to move on rather than just Julio requesting a trade. Because in this situation, Julio hadn't said anything. And then Fontenot, Arthur Smith, the new regime came in and they kind of made it known that Julio was very much available and in turn, you know, now I think it's kind of frustrated both sides and led to where Julio will now most likely be traded. At first, you know, just last week, I talked about it on the show, and I said that I didn't think Julio would be moved. I thought that the Falcons' acquisition of 
Kyle Pitts in the draft and then having Calvin Ridley, it, it made sense that they were all in if they were drafting Kyle Pitts, but now they're trading Julio. So, you know, personally, I don't get the move. I feel like this kind of confuses the entire situation because if they drafted a QB and then they were looking to trade Julio, you say, okay, the Falcons are looking to really rebuild this organization. They understand that that's the situation they're in. They extended uh, Matt Ryan. They reworked his contract, whatever, but it was just to create money and it wasn't to necessarily indicate that they're trying to compete now. But then they drafted Kyle Pitts and, you know, Kyle Pitts is a phenomenal player, extremely talented, offers unlimited upside. But in this move, you're kind of passing on a QB when your positioning is really up in the air. And I don't think the Falcons are going to be picking top five, not this year, not next year, not in a while unless Matt Ryan leaves and they just have no one to play QB and then things fall apart entirely. But at the moment, you know, it seemed as though they were looking to compete right away and they still can. I understand Julio is not going to make or break the team if they were going to be successful, but I do think that Julio adds a huge part to that offense that is now being kind of given up. And so in that sense, I just, I question what the Falcons mindset was. I guess they just looked at Kyle Pitts as a talent that was just insanely high compared to the rest of the class that was available at the number four pick. But this is an AFC South episode. So we're going to be talking about the AFC South and First and foremost, we got to talk about the Houston Texans, who also made some news today after releasing Ryan Finley, the decorated career of Ryan Finley with the Houston Texans, now comes to an end today. And really now we look at what the Texans will be going into the season with. Let me just pull up their depth chart really quick just so I'm not stumbling for names at all. And, you know, real quick, first and foremost, they open up the season with – the Jaguars, and that one is going to be an interesting game. Trevor Lawrence in his first game, Urban Meyer as his first game as a coach, should be very telling in terms of what the Jaguars can do. I feel like this is a game that if the Jaguars want to be legit in year one, then they have to control this game. They don't have to dominate. They don't have to win like 42-3 to three or something. But I do want to see a nice two-possession win where they're in control the entire time if they are legit heading into the season. And, you know, for the Texans themselves, there's a lot of question marks around this entire roster. I think we're going to see a lot of runs. We're going to see a lot of of the ball game go through Mark Ingram. If you are someone looking for a running back three in fantasy and you're trying to find it in the mid later rounds, I think Mark Ingram is an excellent pick. I think we'll see both Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay getting plenty of touches. Uh, you know, there's plenty of options all around this roster with Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb. It's not great, though. And the QB situation is the big question mark because if Deshaun Watson is able to play this season, then the Texans flip automatically, and really they become a competitive team, maybe not a dominant you know, playoff team or anything because a lot of this roster still is falling apart, but it does make things a lot better. But assuming that we don't see Deshaun Watson week one, because either A, of off-field issues, or B, he just doesn't want to play for the Texans, then we look at the other QBs on this roster. Tyrod Taylor, Jeff Driscoll, and Ryan, or, and Davis Mills. Sorry, And really, it doesn't spell a lot of confidence. Obviously, you assume Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter on day one. And we saw with the Chargers, you know, there's there can be a talented roster, but I think Tyrod Taylor just kind of holds – team's back now he has a very talented arm and he can move around pretty well but the overall accuracy playmaking ability just isn't there from when he was a little bit younger I think Tyrod is a little bit underrated in terms of what he was able to accomplish in his career especially during his Buffalo days but now he's kind of fallen off a little bit and we've seen it and you know offenses just get a little stalled he's a good bridge QB I think that he is someone that can hold down the job, but also isn't too hard to let your rookie overcome. But for the Texans, I don't really love their rookie QB either. We're going to see Davis Mills this year. We talked about it on the fantasy episode. Davis Mills is most likely going to get a start this season because you almost have to see what you have on your roster. But 
what is that spell for the Texans and what is that spell for Davis Mills? And for me, I don't see a lot coming from it. If we're not going to see Deshaun Watson all season, if there's just no Watson at all for the Houston Texans, no big trade or anything that kind of brings in a huge talented piece, assuming that this is mostly the roster that they roll with, I think the Houston Texans are looking at a terrible season where we could see one in 16, maybe 0 and 17. I mean, I don't like the head coach hire. I think Coley was almost a hire just to embrace the tank almost. And I don't think that they're intentionally throwing or anything. They added some valuable pieces. And I like that they added those pieces because if you can get young or not young, but cheap options for decent contracts and build your roster through that, that's absolutely valuable. But, you know, you look around at the rest of this roster and that QB spot really holds it back and it anchors it down. And the offensive line still has plenty of question marks. Marcus Cannon can hopefully fill in at the right tackle spot while Titus Howard is at right guard, left guard Max Sharping, Justin Britt at center. There's some options. There's some availability that could potentially help, but the overall talent level of this team is just not enough to be competitive And in that sense, you just kind of question what game on the schedule can they truly win? That Jacksonville Jaguars game may be their best opportunity. And maybe, you know, the next game against Jacksonville, they can kind of catch them slipping. We'll go through the schedule. And personally, you know, I think if, again, without Watson, every game in the schedule, they're probably the underdog in. That doesn't mean they're going to lose every game. But it does, in my mind, kind of say, They're in for a bad season. Week one against Jacksonville Jaguars. Week two against Cleveland Browns. Week three against the Carolina Panthers. Week four against the Buffalo Bills. Week five against the New England Patriots. Week six against the Indianapolis Colts. Week seven against the Arizona Cardinals. Week eight against the Los Angeles Rams. Week nine against the Miami Dolphins. Then they get a bye week. Then they go and play Tennessee Week 12, they play New York. Week 13, they play Indianapolis again. Week 14, they play Seattle. Week 15, they get their second game against Jacksonville. Week 16, they go against the Los Angeles Chargers. Week 17, San Francisco 49ers. And then week 18, they finish off the season against the Tennessee Titans. And I don't know. You know, maybe that Jets game is one that they could eye on. But even then... You know, they have pieces in place for the Jets that are going to compete, whereas the Texans, the defense and the QB play is going to absolutely hold back this team from being competitive. And that's why even if Deshaun Watson's back, I don't think that they are going to be a playoff team because this defense just isn't there. The linebackers are fine, Zach Cunningham and Christian Kirksey. I love Justin Reed. I think Bradley Roby's kind of underrated at the cornerback spot, but you know, the other cornerback spot is Terrence Mitchell. So question marks. Desmond King was a great acquisition for the slot position. Uh, whether he's playing strong safety or drops down to corner, I think he's going to contribute, but that defensive line with Malik Collins, Vincent Taylor, I think that's going to give up some runs and I don't think it's going to produce a lot of pass rush. Whitney merciless kind of not the same player that he once was, they got Shaq Lawson, Jordan Jenkins, Jacob Martin. Maybe they just rotate a bunch of rushers and try to keep everyone fresh. But still, I I just I don't see this team putting up the overall talent throughout the course of the season to really compete. So when I look at it, personal prediction, I say one and sixteen. And if you are a Texans fan, you know, assuming again. We're going to keep saying this. You're almost going to be annoyed of me about it. But assuming that Deshaun Watson does not play, if you are a Texans fan, I think you just want to see some solid play out of this roster. You're almost looking for what the Panthers were last year, where maybe the roster didn't stand out, but they were able to compete in a multitude of games, show off some young talent, and in turn, really just take that next step. Personally, though, like I said, I don't expect much. But if you're looking at this roster, I think you want to see pieces like the tight end position with Jordan Akins, Kahle Waring, Brevin Jordan, 
those are some guys that are young but can add talent to this roster. And maybe, you know, with that, you can see those young pieces really take off. Nico Collins at the wide receiver spot. You want to see him have a good year. You know, uh, on the defensive side, you got some young pieces in terms of Demarcus Walker. You added uh, Lonnie Johnson not too long ago. There's pieces around this roster that could potentially step in and put up a solid season. Garrett Wall, the linebacker, that you hope for, that you just want to see some growth on the roster, young pieces that can be built for, be built with going forward for your organization. But right now, it just doesn't seem to be a good year. If Deshaun Watson's back, let's say that Deshaun gets cleared up and then he talks to the organization and he says, look, I'm, I'm willing to come back and play for you guys. Personally, I still feel like there's not going to be a great year, but I do think that they become favorites in some of those games, you know, against Jacksonville Jaguars, they probably at least take one. So that would make them go up from one and 16 to two and 15. You know, you look at games like maybe the San Francisco 49ers where they'll probably be starting Trey Lance at that point, And you could potentially see a win there just because of the rookie QB play. I think they still win that New York game. Uh, I'm looking around at other games, potentially New England. And I know that uh, a lot of people that are Patriots fans would hate to hear that, but Bill has some struggles against his former staff members. And Nick Casario's down there at Houston, and he could very well help put together a very good game plan against the Patriots. And maybe Deshaun Watson gets rolling early and things just fall apart for the Patriots and they blow one of those random games. It happens at times. And Texans could very well be that game. Uh, you know, there's other games that aren't entirely locks. You know, Carolina still has plenty of question marks, especially if Sam Darnold doesn't take that next step. Indianapolis could still lose a game or two. Tennessee could be worse this season. Los Angeles is very much built on hype. I think the talent's there. I think the hype is worth it. But, you know, if things aren't going as hot, maybe they blow a game that could be very close. So, with Deshaun Watson, things change in an instant, and you're looking personal prediction probably at seven and ten, maybe six and eleven. But you know, with everything that's going on with Watson, whether it's off-field stuff or just personal uh, disrespect to the organization, I guess I don't. I don't feel like it's that disrespectful on his end, but it's just the the relationship is strained. So. I I have a hard time seeing Deshaun Watson ever suiting up for the Texans again, whether it's because of the off-field situation or because of his issues with the front office. Now we move on to the next team on the agenda, and that is the Jacksonville Jaguars. A weird situation with this offseason. You know, obviously when the season came to a close and they locked up that number one pick, everyone was elated. And personally, I thought that there was so much that could happen this offseason with the weird situations with Cap, with the overall promise of a young generational QB that could make the Jaguars really presentable to any coach. And, you know, they seem to be very presentable, and they won over Urban Meyer. Personally, I didn't love the overall offseason for what the Jaguars did, but I don't think it's going to kill them. I think that there is so much talent at that QB position where things change because of that. So bring in a quarterback while maybe you didn't put together the best roster can be covered up because of that QB play. And I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to do something quite similar in Jacksonville. While maybe I love some pieces like DJ Chark, I think he's in for a big year and really now hopefully a big career with Trevor Lawrence. I like Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault. I just didn't like the overall accusations to the defensive side of things. And, you know, like I said, you can bring in a talent and it just makes things that much better. Personally, we do it here all the time on Destination Draft Day, and we're going to bring in our best talent, Nick Durst. Nick, how's it going? It's like it's like I'm Tebow here. You're bringing me in, and my jersey the jersey sales and our rating are skyrocketing. How, <laughs> how about that? The Tim Tebow jerseys, the highest selling jersey in the NFL, which we predicted. So they're pushing that more than the uh, Trevor Lawrence jerseys down there in Jacksonville. Absolutely, and 
you know, we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just got started on them. We just finished talking about the Houston Texans. Personally, you know, I look at the Jaguars, and I think this is going to be a season where you just want to see some great things out of your rookies, but it's still hard not to look at a talent like Trevor Lawrence, a talent like Travis Etienne, the success of Urban Meyer, and not have high hopes. What do you think for the Jaguars heading into this year do you think is a realistic expectation, and do you think playoffs – could be on the table. I think playoffs could be a, a possibility due to the fact that I think the Texans are going to be awful, so bad. Uh, and I, I guess we got to see what happens with Deshaun Watson. But uh, the Colts, I don't think they really necessarily got better. Um, I don't, you know, maybe they're the same with Wentz over Rivers. Uh, the Titans, I don't really, I didn't see them do much that they're getting, that they got better. Uh, so if you ask me, this division is up for grabs. Uh, right now I'd probably say the Titans, in my opinion, should be considered the favorites. They were 11 five last year. Uh, Texans were four and 12 with basically their full roster, uh, with Deshaun Watson. So Jaguars, now, maybe their their ceiling is fine for a playoff spot. I think they're more like a six win team, maybe seven win team. Got to see how things develop. Not only is there going to be some growing pains for Trevor Lawrence, but I think there's going to be some growing pains for Urban Meyer. Uh, yeah, he's a very successful head coach in college, but he didn't coach last year or the year before, and it's not like he's been you know going with these NFL guys as a, as a coordinator. So there's a big adjustment period there coming from the college scene to the pros, especially when you haven't been a professional coordinator uh, and just don't know what to expect. <laughs> Urban Meyer is used to running things with a my way or the highway mentality, which you could get away with all the time in college. But And the pros, these guys have huge egos. They're getting paid a lot of money. So you got to see how things fall into place here. I'm excited to see to see this team, though. Uh, I think Etienne uh, maybe wasn't like their big need, but I think he's going to flourish. Uh, I think he's in the perfect spot to do so. Um, and you know, there's a lot of pressure on Lawrence. People are saying, "No, oh, Lawrence doesn't have a lot of pressure." You know, he's just he's the first pick. Like, you know, he's going to be good. People are saying, you know, oh well, there's more pressure on Trey Lance or you know Justin Fields which is true, they have a lot of pressure, but there is pressure on Trevor Lawrence because everyone is expecting him to come in here, win Super Bowls, win MVPs, and be a Hall of Famer. So that's a lot resting on the shoulders of a, of a, a youngster who, in his career, all he's done is one. He has two losses in college, so he's going to have more losses in his first month of his career in the NFL than he did all college and he probably barely lost in high school, too. So there's going to be an adjustment period there. It's going to be all about how can you bounce back from that. As the quarterback, you got to become the leader. Can you find your voice? And can you keep the guys in the locker room believing in you and believing in things and moving forward? So it's going to be interesting to see. But I don't think they're really a playoff team this year. I think they have, have a chance, an outside chance, just because of the division. But to me, Michael, I think realistically we're looking around six wins for this team. Yeah, I think that's definitely in that range where I have him as well. I want to see what ETN can do, and I think that there's going to be plenty of great games by the Jaguars where we see just outstanding performances that really give you hope for the future. But at the same time, you know, there's there's a lot of question marks on this roster. What's going to happen with Caleb Von on? Can he bounce into a better productive role with this new defense in place? Can this offensive line get going? Both tackle spots. Very questionable right now. Jawan Taylor, Cam Robinson, both haven't really met expectations so far with their play. Uh, still question marks on the inside with AJ Can, and then Norwell and Linder are getting older with each season. Uh, tight end spot, absolutely wide open. Probably not going to be Tim Tebow, but there's just a lack of talent to where we're realistically entertaining the idea that Tebow could make this roster because of what's there at tight end right now on the defensive side of things. You know, I like what they brought on with Shaq Griffin, Tyson Campbell, CJ Henderson, Sidney Jones. There's, there's a lot of pieces that really 
warrant excitement in that secondary. But, you know, there's still question marks about what's going to happen with Andre Sisco bouncing back from that ACL injury. How's Rayshon Jenkins going to be in a new system with that uh, Jaguars defense? Uh, you know, obviously, Miles Jack, Joe Sherbert, very talented at the inside linebacker spots. Josh Allen, very good and should be great in this scheme. But that D-line is still a huge question mark for me as well. Uh, I loved what they had with Davon Hamilton. I think Doug Costin showed some good stuff. Malcolm Brown should be able to really step up and have a good year. But the question marks of, you know, Adam Gostis, Roy Robertson, Harris, Taven Bryan, someone's got to step up and be that next defensive lineman. Maybe it's Doug Costin. I think he's kind of a rotational type guy that can add value but isn't your full-time starter. And the Jaguars will have a question mark in filling some of this defense up. And we'll see some flat moments throughout the season, both on the offense and defensive side, that may cause for some frustration from Jaguars fans. But as long as there's enough consistency on the offensive side with the young pieces, then I think it's a good season for year one of the Urban Meyer era. Yeah, certainly. If you see, if you see Lawrence is playing well, then I think you need to consider the season a success. Absolutely. And, you know, personally, I think that this is the third best team in the division. I think that while there's plenty of reason to have hope for the Jaguars, I don't think that they are going to overcome the Titans or Colts. So I think as long as you are competitive with the Colts and Titans in year one and, you know, beating the Texans, whether it's with Watson or without, uh, it's a good sign for what you're going to be able to do going forward. Absolutely. And with that, we move on to the next team in the AFC South, and that is the Indianapolis Colts, bringing in Carson Wentz to be their QB of the future, one of many QBs that were on the move. Just first and foremost, let's talk about Carson Wentz. Frank Reich obviously has plenty of experience with him. They won the Super Bowl together in Philadelphia while he was offensive coordinator. Now things have played out in Philadelphia where Carson Wentz didn't really succeed as much. Obviously, he wasn't the QB that won that Super Bowl, but he was on track for an MVP season. Do you think that Wentz is in for a bounce-back type of career, or do you think that there are going to be issues in Indianapolis? Well, Reich is the key. So Reich got the best out of Wentz. But at this point, I'm just kind of thinking that Wentz is damaged goods. Uh, I don't remember ever seeing a quarterback get traded um, within their first six years of their career and going to have more success on their second team than they had the first. To me, it's just, it's just, just it would be an anomaly here. So Maybe his psyche's messed up here. I mean, he got benched last year. He's probably happy to be in a new spot. But there's, I mean, there's going to be pressure. So this is a win now team. They have to win now. That's why Cox once was brought here. So I forever last year. And Michael, if they don't win this year, if they don't make the playoffs, then I'm pretty sure the Colts are going to be looking to make a move at quarterback next offseason. So it's not like he has this long-term security here. That's kind of what got to him last year when he knew Jalen Hurts was there. So I think it's going to be a tricky situation for Wentz. Uh, but you know, the, you know the talent's there. You know, Rivers, he was known for throwing interceptions, but Wentz last year threw so many interceptions that, uh, I mean, if they do that this year, it's going to be tough there and – you know, they're going with him this year, that's for sure. There's nobody there threatening to take his job. But I don't know about Wentz long-term in Indianapolis. But, hey, Frank Reich, he got the job because of Carson Wentz and because of McDaniels backing out. So he 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 is full confidence in Wentz, and we'll see what happens uh, in his, his first year with the Colts. Absolutely. And I've said it before on the show, I think that, Frank Reich doesn't get enough credit for how well he played with Philip Rivers last year. Philip Rivers, obviously a great QB with a great career, but I think he was kind of washed heading into Indianapolis and Frank Reich was able to get a great season out of him. They were able to make playoffs, but personally, I think it was a lot on Reich more so than Rivers in that time frame, just because of 
what limited Rivers at that time. So now with Carson Wentz, I expect to see some fireworks. I think Indianapolis is going to be the team that wins this division. I love the defensive side of the ball, adding Quiddy Pay, having pieces already in place, you know, at the linebacker spot with Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner on the defensive line. The cornerback unit should still be very talented because of just the system they run. Matt Eberfluss has done a great job with that defense. Xavier Rhodes bounced back entirely. The offensive line should be very good. Eric Fisher now being brought in to be the left tackle is absolutely huge. And then you look at, you know, the big question mark for me is just the weapons. T.Y. Hilton kind of aging with each season. Michael Pittman I really like, but I don't think he's going to be your star wide receiver. Uh, Paris Campbell's fine, but he's kind of the gadget type player, more so than the wind downfield type play. Jack Doyle's a good tight end, but I, I'd love to see maybe Julio land here uh, because I think it just absolutely opened up this offense. But really, I don't know if that's a move that really fits the Ballard type of play because Ballard's big on building with his own guys. He's traded, obviously, for stars before with the Forrest Buckner, just traded for Carson Wentz. But he doesn't seem like the type that would go and invest outside of you know the key positions for him, and that's the trenches and the QB spots. So, while I'd love to see Julio there in Indianapolis to really open up this offense, I don't think it's on the table realistically. So I look at what they have there. And while maybe it's not the most exciting range of weapons, I do think Jonathan Taylor is going to add a immense amount of volume and yardage for this roster. Naheem Hines still a very talented receiving back. And, you know, I'm just very excited for what the Colts can do. And I think Carson Wentz, is going to bounce back in a major way. And the Colts will be a realistic competitor for the number one seed just because of how sometimes those schedules kind of play out and, you know, maybe Chiefs lose a couple games more than you would have expected. Wow. So you got the Colts as the one seed. Interesting. I don't, I don't personally have them as the one seed. I'm just saying I think there's a realistic scenario where, where they end up as that number one seed in the AFC. All right. I mean, well, we shall see. I, I mean, I love their offensive line, of course. Taylor had a great rookie season. I think he'll be even better this year. The defense is solid. But, I mean, as Rick says, shots fired here. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's, gonna, it all, it's all going to come down to Carson Wentz this season. They'll be in the mix. They'll probably be a playoff team. But I don't really see them making any sort of run in the, in the AFC. I think it's definitely uh, realistic to kind of be reserved on him. I think there's still plenty holding him back, but I think there's a huge credit that goes to Chris Ballard for his ability to draft, you know, adding pieces like Julian Blackman and Kari Willis to that secondary with mid round picks. And, you know, they've done phenomenal in getting acquisitions in the draft with mid round picks that are long-term starters and very contributing players. And I think that's absolutely huge to team building. I do wish, though, that the Colts were a little bit more aggressive in terms of free agency, and I think that's something that's kind of held them back. But making a big swing and trade for Carson Wentz could potentially push them over the top if Wentz is able to bounce back. Yeah, it's, it's, it'll, be, it'll be also worth you know watching here. Is Wentz stay healthy? Obviously, he was healthy last year. Um and, but the offensive line, you shouldn't think that is going to be an issue unless he tries to, you know, do things uh, to the extreme because he wants to impress. But let's keep in mind here that Jacoby Brissett is on the Dolphins now. So there is no security blanket there for the Colts. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they have Jacob Easton, they have Sam Ellinger, but not a lot of reason to be confident that they could step in and really right the ship if something were to happen to Wentz. The injury history is certainly concerning. We could very well see a game where Jacob Eason takes snaps as the starting QB. And, you know, from there, who knows what happens. But I think it's it's certainly something. So if you're a big Jacob Eason believer, this is definitely a uh, situation to keep an eye on. Don't be wishing injuries on Carson Wentz because that's just, you know, bad way to be but it's certainly something that could happen i think the colts need to be prepared for it as well while still you know instilling confidence in wentz as their star qb looking at the schedule 
The Colts don't have an easy way out right away playing the Seattle Seahawks on that first Sunday, September 12th, then the Los Angeles Rams in week two, the Tennessee Titans in week three, Miami Dolphins in week four, and then Monday night against the Baltimore Ravens. A tough first five games, all five teams that could realistically be in the playoffs at the end of the season. Do you think that this could, you know, make or break the Colts in these first five weeks? Uh, it's tough to say just because, you know, they're going up They're going up against what we would consider good teams, but these teams they're going up against, they all also have some question marks. You know, first they're playing the Seahawks. There's a lot of drama with here with Russell Wilson. What's going to happen? And Pete Carroll's saying, oh, it's behind us. But is it really? I don't know. Uh, they're going against the Rams, Matt Stafford. He's just going to be week two into the, you know, learning the offense here. So, I mean, those are two games that are winnable. Then you got the game against the Titans, division rival, can go either way. You consider these two the two best teams in the division. Uh, that's going to be a rough game. They're playing the Dolphins, which I think they're still at this point a better team than the Dolphins. Uh, and then you got the Ravens, the Texans, you know, this they could I could see them going six and zero, five and one, four and two. So I, I think I think the the schedule isn't you know as severe as you would just think. Like oh my gosh, Seahawks, Rams, um, but because they you know they're going through new things there too. Then they got the 49ers. Who knows? Maybe that's Trey Lance's first start there. Uh, you know, going into the end of October. So uh, they still got to play the Jets and they got to play the Jaguars twice. So they got the Texans twice. There's some games here that are that are built in for them that they could if they if they play up to their level and not down to their competition that they could pad the win column big time this season. Absolutely, and you know the big question mark probably surrounding the Colts is going to come down on what Wentz is able to do. But you know, there's also question marks in terms of that offensive line. Eric Fisher still dealing with some injuries. Sam Tevy is the backup left tackle who quite bluntly just wasn't very good when playing left tackle for the Los Angeles Chargers. If they can't get that left tackle spot figured out, you know, Eric Fisher continues to battle injuries. Sam Tevy is the left tackle and hasn't developed any. Could you see maybe a demise of that Colts offensive line where they aren't as productive and the whole offense kind of falls apart in turn? Well, if you, I mean, if you look at these dynasty, so to say, offensive lines, you know, you got the Patriots. They had a really consistent line for a long time. Uh, the Giants, they won two Super Bowls with the same offensive line, but that's very rare. You know, the lifespan, you know, the Cowboys had a great offensive line. The lifespan of an offensive line is really like four years, five years. So the Colts have had a great offensive line now for – four years right so maybe this could uh you know look we look at some turnover here in the next year or two absolutely and they have some contracts that are coming up like we said though the colts have done a lot of work to save money to kind of build internally extend their own guys and i think that's why they've been so disciplined in terms of not spending is to be able to retain those guys and we'll see what happens on the defensive side of things, you know, obviously uh is not going to or Ode Ingbo is not going to be playing year one, but Quiddy Pay, their first round pick, should be someone that a lot of people keep an eye on. Most people weren't expecting him to fall all the way to Indianapolis, right. and now he is very much there. What do you expect out of Pay with the Colts in year one? Listen, I mean, Pay fell, fell on the Colts' lap. It was a no-brainer from take him. I expect double-digit sacks right off the gate. Ten sacks, ten and a half sacks, especially with the extra game. Uh, he's going to have an incredible year. Uh, I think he's going to prove why he was the best edge rusher to many uh, in the draft. Absolutely. And, you know, that Indianapolis Colts team needed a presence on the edge. They had a lot of athletes at the position with Bonogo, um, Muhammad, Ture, but they didn't have a, you know, strong discipline type player like Pay. Obviously, Pay is quite the athlete himself, so I think there's plenty of upside there. And if Indianapolis Colts can unlock that, 
with the Forrest Buckner already on the inside, then QBs going against the Colts are going to be running around all day. And now, Nick, for the last team in the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans, what will be a third year with Ryan Tannehill as their starting QB. Mike Vrabel obviously developed a reputation as a dominant coach. Derrick Henry, one of the best running backs in the NFL, probably the hardest guy to tackle in the NFL. A defense that, you know, really fell apart last year and held them back entirely that is now sort of rebuilt. What are your expectations for the Tennessee Titans as they head into the season? I think they'll be at 11 and 6. They're pretty much the same as last year. Uh, And I think they're going to win the division. And. You know, I'm I'm getting a little tired of hearing about this great Tennessee Titans defense because last year, Michael, uh, the numbers really don't lie. It was not that great. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a big question mark what's going to happen with the Titans this year in terms of secondary. They got rid of Malcolm Butler. They got rid of uh, Adoree Jackson, which was the big surprising move. And – you know, now they have Caleb Farley in the first round, which I think is a great pick. Uh, they have Christian Fulton, who was a second rounder last year. They got Elijah Molden in this draft. It's a very young cornerback room. Janoris Jenkins there as well, but, you know, he's not the same as what he once was. There's just big question marks all around this secondary unit. Uh, Amani Hooker should be a very talented, strong safety, but still he's rather new to the starting spot. Kevin Byard, obviously one of the most talented safeties in the league, a huge leader for this year because that secondary is going to be so young. The front seven should be good, adding Bud Dupree, R.A. having Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons, one of the better defensive linemen in the league. We'll see what happens, but that cornerback unit is going to be a big question mark, and if if Farley is having issues in terms of durability in that first year, then that room quickly goes from young to just very thin and that's where the issues start to really pop up so big bets on just durability from rookies that have medical issues already and if things don't play out well then there's huge question marks for what's going to happen with that Tennessee Titans defense on the offensive side of things they lose offensive coordinator Arthur Smith obviously you know not the greatest loss to have when that was the bread and butter of your team was that offense that Smith was running. Uh, Should be able to replicate some of that production, but at the same time, they lose wide receiver Corey Davis, who signs in free agency with the New York Jets. They replace him with Josh Reynolds. Uh, You know, that wide receiver room, very questionable as well. Going to really depend on A.J. Brown staying healthy because right now, Josh Reynolds, Des Fitzpatrick, You know, there's not a lot of options in that room to really step up and be a wide receiver one um, outside of A.J. Brown. So if anything bad happens in terms of injuries for this team, things go south very quickly. And, Nick, do you think that this is something that could come back to bite them, or do you think that they should be all right in terms of durability on this roster? Well, I mean, Derek Henry is extremely durable, but eventually you think you got to think the wheels are going to fall off, right, Michael? I mean, how many how many rushes can this guy get before he doesn't get wear down? A whole extra week here, so you would think he would definitely get two thousand yards again this season with an extra game. Uh, but uh, the offense is kind of one dimensional here. That's I said this last week that one dimensional offenses do not win Super Bowls. That's why the Bucs won the Super Bowl. They were not one-dimensional. They could run, they could pass, they could do it all. And the same thing with the Chiefs the year before. So the Titans, you know, they can continue this ground-to-pound type of offense of attack. It'll work. They're going to get to the playoffs. But when it comes to the playoffs, it just doesn't seem to work too much. I think they had their one shot two years ago. And, and last year, a lot of teams had them as a trendy pick to go to the Super Bowl. But... You know, let's not forget just a few years ago, the Jaguars were in the AFC Championship game. And then two years later, they're picking number one. So Titans, I think, are still good here. I just don't think as a whole unit they have what it takes to be a a contender here uh, when it comes to, you know, how the way the team's built. And, you know, they they have been pretty durable. But, you know, as you mentioned, uh, 
the the depth is not a strong point with with this roster. Absolutely, and you know, hopefully, some of these young guys that they've drafted step up and really become the pieces that they need. But yeah, there's just a lot of question marks surrounding this roster in terms of how deep it can go. I'd say outside of linebacker, any of these positions, if they lose someone, they're they're in some murky water. Maybe edge as well with Rashad Weaver being brought in, but. It's just a lot of question marks surrounding this entire roster. And hopefully, you know, with a bit of luck, they can keep up this roster and stay healthy throughout the year. But if things fall apart, don't be surprised if the Titans really kind of fall and slip into where they're competing for one of those last playoff spots and maybe even missing out entirely with a, you know, potential surge by the Colts and maybe just some unlucky games by the Titans and, you know, maybe a team like, one of the AFC West teams, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders, really they step up and take that next step to become the playoff team and push them out. So while I think the Titans have plenty of talent and I expect them to make playoffs, there's still plenty of question marks there on the roster that could hold them back. And it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the season, we're looking at them as a team that's just out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 like I said earlier, I think they're the favorites right now, but you know, things can go either way. If Carson Bunts just totally balls out, then the collision. But, uh, I think I'm going to go Titans for the division. Uh, the Colts in second place as a wild card team. Jaguars in third, and the Texans picking uh, at the top of the NFL draft. I think they win the them and the Lions will be battling it out for the first pick next year. Texans in last place. Yeah, I I'm pretty much the same. I have Colts winning. Titans in second, Jaguars in third, and Houston Texans in fourth and in 32nd when it comes to the NFL ranking. It's going to be tough for Houston fans this year, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, that's all we got for you on Destination Draft Day. We hope you guys have a good week. We'll see you on Friday. We want to thank everyone in the comment section for all your comments, and thanks to LandryFootball.com for giving us a platform to talk on. We'll see you guys on Friday. Take care. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.